the podcast Explain Ukraine. In our new series, Propaganda Diary, we analyze both new and recurring topics of Russian propaganda justifying the current invasion of Ukraine. In this episode, we look at how Russian propagandists responded to the news that Ukraine allies decided to supply the country with modern tanks. My name is Volodymyr Yermolonko, I'm Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of Ukraine World. In this episode, I speak to my colleagues Alena Hryshko and Anastasia Herasimchuk, analysts at Ukraine World. Explaining Ukraine and Ukraine World are brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. You can also support our humanitarian trips to the front line at paypal ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You will find this information in the description of this podcast. Okay, so let's start. And um, Anastasia, Alona, thanks so much for joining this podcast. Thanks for all your work uh, uh, in the InfoWatch section of Ukraine World. I wonder how the Russian propaganda reacted to to this big uh, change which appeared right now in the supplies of arms to Ukraine, meaning the supplies of tanks. What were the key reactions? Alona, let's start with you. So thank you, Vladimir. Thank you for uh, inviting. I'm glad to be in here and thank you for having me. Regarding the tanks, it's quite an interesting question to be discussed. As the Russian state TV reacted to the news of the apart tanks going to Ukraine in a quite fast way, they started discussing that this weapon won't be any effective. And top Russian propagandists uh, reacted that these tanks would be sent just in case to make something that were not really help Ukraine on the front lines. So they underestimate the role of these supplies. Is this correct, Anastasia? Um, actually, Russian propaganda is quite diverse regarding uh, its reactions. One of their reactions is, of course, underestimating. Uh, but we all understand that such reactions as lack of effectiveness or um, so-called outdated weapons, mm, these are only reactions that are provoked by fear or maybe by the desire to uh, prepare their public for um, failures of uh, Russia on the ground. Uh, because um, while they are underestimating, um, they create this image that um, Ukraine is not effective on the uh, battleground. Moreover, what's also interesting, they also say that they already started destroying uh, some uh, Western weaponry, which hasn't arrived to Ukraine yet. So it's, um, it fits in the general line of Russia. They uh, like saying controversial things. On the one hand, they say that uh, these weapons won't be effective. On the other hand, they say that NATO is attacking Russia by say, send, sending these weapons. And I guess uh, it is aimed at not only um, entangling Russian public, but also these diverse narratives, they reach diverse audiences. 
any taste of Russian audience. I would like to come back to what you said uh, about the destruction, the so-called destruction of the tanks which have not even arrived to Ukraine. I think it's we all know that that it's it's in the general Russian argument that actually this is war not against Ukraine. This is a war against America. This is a war against NATO. And uh, Russia is trying to show to its population that the enemy they are facing is is actually much bigger than just Ukraine, whose existence they they actually denied. Uh, how how widespread uh, is this narrative in the Russian in the Russian propaganda? How often you see this, Nastya? Uh, I have, according to my observations, I have seen several uh, notions about it, several mentions about destructions of weaponry we haven't received yet in various news sources. So I wouldn't say that it's quite a massive uh, information attack regarding uh, such kind of actions by Russian army. Uh, and I also met such, uh, like, let's say it's a part of a narrative. Uh, the spokesperson of uh, Russian army uh, at one of his during one of his briefings told about uh, the uh, destroyed uh, weaponry by Russian army. We are talking not about tanks exactly now, but we are talking about Bradley uh, machines that uh, are going to be supplied by the US, by the USA. So they say that they have already destroyed something that is not on the ground yet. So I would say it's quite a systemic issue, uh, but it's not so widespread issue. Right. At the same time, we see, for example, one of the statements of Mr. Piskov, uh, who is the spokesperson of the Kremlin, who said that uh, um, the Kremlin considers that in uh, supplies of the weaponry to Ukraine from the West mean that the collective West, West is engaged into the conflict in Ukraine, as, as he calls it. Mm. So, Alona, uh, let me ask this question. Do you think that uh, this consideration of the... Well, th th this, is something, this is something different, different views of the situation that we see in Russia and the West. The Russia is saying that it is, it is making the war with NATO and America... American NATO deny on every possible opportunity that they engage in this conflict, right? So they, they are supplying weapons, but not people. There are no people who are actually waging the war in Ukraine. There are no people who are shooting, etc. And this dichotomy, I think, it's something that uh, that develops uh, this difference in, in, in discourses. So do you think that the West should understand that Russia is actually, for a long time, designing the West as its enemy who is waging the war on Ukrainian soil. Let's be honest, Vladimir. In this way, Russia all the time tried to find the enemy they are going to fight with, the whole history. Uh, even if we are talking about the case of um, Germany's decision to approve the delivery of Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine, uh, Russia reacted with fury on this on Wednesday and uh, saying that Berlin was abandoning its historical responsibility to Russia arising from Nazi crimes uh, in World War II. Uh, 
And there is also representatives like foreign ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova. She said on in the Telegram post that uh, this move was confirmed of Germany's involvement into so-called war planned in advance against Russia. So every time they are trying to show Russia as a big, strong country, but at the same time, they are trying to show that this country is impacted by the West and also, like Russia, feels threat from the West. And, of course, dangerous because, the, as they call, the West can destroy Russian Federation. So I think this is one of the way Russia propaganda works. From one side, they show that they are one of the biggest and the most powerful countries. And from the other way, they are showing that they are a victim of the West and these uh, communities like NATO, United States uh, and other uh, so-called enemies for uh, as for Russian side. That's a, that's a very interesting observation, Alona, because uh, actually we see... Uh, one of these elements of the Russian propaganda is, I would call it, a kind of an inverted pyramid. Or they, they they take the reality and they put it on its head. So for everyone who is following the European American politics, it is clear that these countries are avoiding war as at all possible cost. Right. So they underestimated the threat. They wanted to talk when uh, when there was a need to, to wage the war, to 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 defend democracy. They they were in the illusion that you you can see reach you can reach an agreement with Putin, etc. While Russians are presenting themselves as the victims of the aggressive aggressive West, and while Germany is reluctant and and trying to cope with this collective psychology to avoid any possible engagement into the conflicts, Zaharova is saying that, look, the, 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 the situation, the reality is absolutely different because Germany was actually preparing this war against Russia. And uh, this supply of tanks only testifies this. So we are in a kind of a Orwellian world where war is peace and aggression is defense. And I think this is one of the major arguments right now of the Russian propaganda, that this is a defensive war, that they make this war to defend themselves, not to attack. And uh, they are actually, by killing Russian-speaking people in Ukraine, by killing Ukrainian-speaking people in Ukraine, they are actually defending Russians, Russian-speaking people in Ukraine. They're defending Russians. And there is some mythical West, which is, uh, which started this war against Russia to kill Russians. Uh, Nastya, is this interpretation correct? Do you do you agree with with the, with the way how I I put it? Exactly, Volodymyr. That's how the Russian propaganda machine works. That's this parallel reality that Russian authorities and their um, their propagandists who are represented in TV, radio, and printed media. Uh, are trying to create. So we can uh, say for sure that Russians are living in a parallel universe where Russia is a great state, where Russia is a fighter for multipolar, multipolar world and the United States of America and all other Western countries, uh, liberal countries, are actually dictators who want to subdue the whole world. Uh, 
uh, under the will of the United States. So that's what uh, the Russian authorities, Russian leaders are trying to propagate, and that's what uh, Russian population believes in, thanks to the effective work of Russian propaganda machine. And what is also very important to note, uh, that's one of the most important methods the propaganda uses. It's the denial of reality, which is not convenient or comfortable. Uh, as you've mentioned, uh, Russia indeed forgets about those um, ambiguities in the Western states' approach to, towards its aggression since 2014. Russia forgets about um, the dialogue the West was trying to have with Russia, not to um, like uh, not to spoil the face of Russia, etc. So we all remember these uh, conversations, these times of uh, our partners, etc. They are trying to be as cautious as possible, but in fact, in Russian propaganda, we see that the West is a so-called monster that is bloodthirsty and that uh, wants to destroy Russia and its like basics, uh, religious values, etc. Uh, and what's also important to mention again is that uh, Russia is trying to play the cards of uh, these controversies in Europe. They're trying to present Europe as not a solid entity, but something that is split inside. And the United States of America as an entity which is trying to uh, impose its will on the Europe. So bloodthirsty is the United States of America. The collective West, according to Russian propaganda, is either a monster or something which doesn't have its own will and only acts according to the U.S. Yeah, so the war of aggression is presented as the war of defense. Killing of civilians is presented as the defense of civilians. Uh, sending Russian soldiers to a clear death on the fr front line uh, is actually presented as uh, uh, someone else's attempt to kill Russians and to um, ensure the genocide of the R Russian people. This is also the concept that Russian propaganda is using, genocide of Russians. So they are uh, making genocide against Ukrainians, but they're presenting this as a, someone else's genocide against Russians. Nastya, you, you follow the Russian propaganda from the perspective of following the people who are uh, who are actually calling for the war, who are justifying this war, who are spreading the, the de dehumanization narratives about Ukrainians, about the West. To our audience, I would say that we will soon uh, publish, Ukraine World will soon publish a, an important website which is called Kremlin's Voice, in which uh, we collected, thanks to Anastasia primarily, we collected the information about the major Russian propagandists who stay behind this war, who justify this war, who provide arguments for this war. Uh, can you tell us how widespread it is, how how widespread you see this in, 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 in the Russian, Russian state TVs, in its documentaries, how clearly you see the link between propaganda and the war itself, because clearly what we see behind these arguments, so-called arguments, is that they are preparing Russian population to accept that the war 
is justified, that this is a just war and the Russia does need to go to Ukraine and kill Ukrainians. What we are observing while searching for these evidence of info crimes Russian propagandists have been committing for quite long, we are, to be honest, shocked. Because what these people say can be called like a genocidal rhetoric. Uh, and it's so widespread. Uh, people from Russian TV, from Russian radio, representatives of think tanks, universities, uh, public organizations, they directly call on uh, killing Ukrainians or destroying uh, the state of Ukraine. I, I would like to start with the categorization of these propagandists, maybe, because it would be uh, misleading to say that only uh, TV propagandists like uh, Solovyov or Skabeyeva or Simonyan are calling uh, for such actions. Um, this calls uh, on destruction of Ukraine and killing uh, Ukrainians, which, as they say, are wrong Russians who lost their past in this world. Uh, these uh, calls um, are spread uh, in documentaries, which claim to be, uh, to be credible. Uh, they are spread by those scientists uh, who work in the major uh, state universities or uh, research institutions like the Institute of States of uh, uh, Foreign, former uh, Soviet Union. Uh, and we also, uh, we, we see such shocking things as, uh, for example, some propagandists uh, or so-called political experts or military experts calling Ukraine a terrorist state uh, they say that the only way uh, to deal with this terrorist uh, threat towards Russia, which comes from Ukraine, is only to destroy this terrorist entity called Ukraine. Uh, we all remember those uh, awful first uh, missiles attacks on Ukrainian territories, which hit uh, so many critical infrastructure objects. It was the beginning of October. And after the first wave of these attacks, uh, those mouse pieces uh, at the majority of TV channels and uh, news, news websites, they were praising these actions. They were telling that that's nice. Now Ukrainians are, are going to face not a special military operation. They will taste the delights of the real war. Some propagandists, as Krasovsky, for example, he told that he has been waiting for this action uh, for a really, really long time. And Ukrainians should be dealt with in such a way. Yeah, these are horrible things, which uh, unfortunately the international public doesn't really understand sometimes. So <clears throat> we're trying to highlight these topics and to see these examples and to translate them uh, so you can follow us closely. And I think uh, one of the next issue of this podcast will be focused on this, on this genocidal rhetoric. Uh, we are coming to a conclusion of this podcast. And let me ask uh, Alona, uh, what, uh, what other narratives you see, despite, except for the, the, these conversations about tanks, what are the narratives of the Russian propaganda uh, you see emerging in, in, in the past weeks 
and what in your uh, expectation what can be uh, an important things to follow next week i think we might return back to the uh, general russian idea that russia had no choice but to launch this special military operation in Ukraine. This is uh, starting since the February 24th, uh, 2022. But the interesting fact is that uh, at the end of uh, December 2022, um, after nearly 10 months of war, um, Russia's President Putin um, finally called it a war for the first time. So he uh, didn't use this term like special military operation. Probably Russian rhetoric towards this might change and they might start uh, declares war allowed uh, in this way. But I think the main idea would definitely be focused on the support, international support that Ukraine receives from the foreign countries. I mean, military support, financial, of course, because uh, taken into account uh, that uh, right now there is um, um, a long list of uh, countries and United uh, uh, States and uh, European Union countries provided um, us with uh, some microfinancial support, Russians would definitely use this. And of course, uh, the idea that Ukraine um, can't be a member of uh, European Union in the nearest future, despite the fact that we uh, almost uh, have fulfilled all the requirements that were provided earlier by the European Union. And definitely there would be a huge amount of provocations based on the frontline news, like uh, uh, whether Russia has captured, uh, conquered that city or Ukraine military still defending that part. I think this would be the main focus for the next uh, week for the Russians as well. Okay, so we'll be following this and in the next episodes <clears throat> we will update you on the state of affairs, state of play of the Russian propaganda, how it justifies its war, uh, how to which it prepares its population, how it de dehumanizes Ukrainians, Europeans, Americans, other nations. These are all very important. Thank you, Alona, and thank you, Anastasia. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on various platforms. You can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ukraine World. We spend majority of your donations to help people affected by this war and to help Ukrainian defenders. Patreon.com slash Ukraine World. You can also support our volunteer trips at PayPal Ukraine.resisting Follow us, stay with us, and stand with Ukraine.